function. The digital numbers began to count down from seven minutes. Larson had prepared for months, and now he had 420 seconds to make good on that preparation. Larson liked the number. April 20th, he thought, and smiled. The locomotive's dual headlights were cutting the darkness while the alternating ditch lights strobed the sides of the tunnel. Larson stepped behind a pillar, turned his face to the wall, and placed his hands over his ears. The tunnel was wide enough for only a single track through the tunnel, and Larson was close enough that, by taking a single step, he could have touched it. He felt the power of the engine stumping against his diaphragm. Then Larson began counting cars. The twentieth behind the last engine was a green sixty-foot BNSF boxcar, and Larson fell into a trot beside it. Glancing beneath it, he saw only darkness. There were only three possibilities. The order of the cars had been switched. He had miscounted, or the operation was compromised, and they all were hopelessly screwed. How bloody hell, Larson muttered. Withdrawing an LED flashlight from the pocket of his field jacket, he switched it on only long enough to check the number on the side of the car. 357609. It was the wrong car. He crouched, looking beneath the line of cars ahead. Nothing. Not even a glint of light from the polished tops of the rails. Then he glanced behind him. Rippling on the roadbed between the rails, three boxcars behind, was a white rectangle of light. Larson flicked the cigarette away, pulled a pair of leather gloves from his pocket, and quickly put them on, using his teeth to snug them over his wrists. He went prone beside the rail, held his hat with one hand, and watched as the light approached. He had done the math, and at this speed the train was traveling at only 4.4 feet per second, which meant he would have less than 11 seconds to slip behind between the last wheels of the forward trucks and the first wheels of the rear trucks of the boxcar ahead of the one he wanted. It had seemed much longer than needed during the planning, but now that he was actually about to climb over the cold rail, it hardly seemed enough. He could feel the mass of the boxcar above him, and saw the airbrake hoses and cylinders and other hardware that hung threateningly low. One mistake and he would be sliced in two, have his skull caved in or both, all in less time than it takes to describe it. He banished the image from his mind, and, as the first set of wheels scraped by, began to count as he carefully pushed himself over the rail. He was on the other side before he reached 1,005. He rolled onto his back, looking past the toes of his boots as the patch of light rippled toward him. After making sure he was not in the center of the roadbed, he flattened himself. In four seconds he felt the two sets of heavy axles pass overhead followed by the massive couplers which hung dangerously low over the center of the tracks. 
then another pair of axles passed in the darkness. He could now see the source of the light. A hole had been neatly cut in the floor of the boxcar, between the frame members and clear of any of the brake hardware or other obstructions. The brilliant opening passed overhead like a door to heaven. Larson reached up and grasped the trailing edge and was glad he had remembered to put on the gloves. The edges were still hot. He was swept along for a moment beneath the boxcar, stones skittering and rolling beneath him. Then an arm grasped his wrist and pulled him up through the twenty-four by forty-eight inch opening into the glaring interior of the boxcar. He repositioned his hands on the sides and lifted himself up as one would exit a swimming pool, then moved his left hand to the butt of the fifty caliber Desert Eagle pistol in a ballistic nylon holster strapped.